1: You know, everything that's happening around it, we, we're not we're not seeing all of that, right? We're just sitting at this piano where Elsa's playing, which she actually learned the entire Moonlight Sonata for the show. So she's oh, wow. actually playing that piece, which is incredible.
2: So far, the defining moment of 1883 has been the river crossing scene from episode four. Pioneers led by James and Margaret Dutton try to cross the Brazos on their way to a new life, as Elsa Dutton, played by Isabel May, sits down in front of a discarded piano to play Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. Actor Eric Nelson was a witness to this scene, and he says he was overcome with emotion during filming. During eight or nine takes, he bawled his eyes out because he knew what only the rest of the cast and crew know about what's to come for these travelers once they cross that river. If you thought this moment was powerful, hang on tight. I'm Addison Hager, and today, Eric Nelson joins the Dutton Rules podcast, to talk about his role as Elsa's suitor Ennis, the off-camera, impromptu musical performances from Tim McGraw, and the pressure that came with filming a Yellowstone prequel in a very condensed time frame. In fact, that pressure is still coming, because the show's not done filming yet. Minutes after Ennis, I mean Eric, wrapped with Taste of Country's Billy Dukes, he was back on set in character. Keep in mind, episode five drops this Sunday on Paramount+. Tap follow on your favorite podcast platform and look for weekly episode recaps, then search the archive for more cast interviews with stars of Yellowstone in 1883. Cole Hauser, Jefferson White, Sam Elliott, and Tim McGraw are just a few you'll find, and there's more to come. Staff at is the email address if you'd like to join the conversation and ask questions about what we know and don't know about this 19th century Western drama. Is season two possible? You'll find out. As Eric Nelson joins Billy Dukes on Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883
1: podcast. Hey, Billy. Good to be here, man. It's uh, great, great to be here. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, you too, Eric. Where are you, uh, where are you you're piping in from today? I'm actually uh, currently
1: in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, from my home studio. We're actually, uh, we're in our last week of filming the show and we're just over in weather for about 40 minutes from here.
3: I love this home studio because uh, I- I've seen it in some of the live streams you've done. It's all padded with different soundproofing and it looks like you could just literally push the walls down and like you'd be outdoors on like a ranch somewhere. It's like this little kind of, <laughs> <laughs> this funny little room that you have.
1: Yeah, yeah, it works well because it's it's soundproofed, and uh, it actually helps. My my wife is an animation actress. She does voiceovers for cartoons and stuff, so she does a lot of her work in here, uh, and that was kind of the the concept behind it was for her, and now I get to uh, utilize it for for my live streams and for interviews and such, so it works out great.
3: Eric Nelson, of course, plays Ennis on Paramount Plus's 1883, and I want to ask you to start with about the last episode, episode four, and then maybe kind of pull back from there. But I thought episode four, especially the end with the piano scene and the river crossing, that to me was the scene that defined this show as something really quite different from Yellowstone. It's not Mm. the same beast. Is there more of that to come in the future? Are we going to kind of continue down that path and with that tone? Yes,
1: 100%. Um, that, that's, that's, it's, it's, just a taste of what's to come. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's such a dark, raw, gripping, emotional piece mm-hmm. and to, to see it in, in its scale, uh, with, with as, as many actors as we have in the animals and livestock in Texas as a whole, being such a, a pivotal character in this piece, um, it, it really is the magic that Taylor brings to this and, um, you know, it's, it's intense and it's hard to watch, but it's not sugarcoated. Taylor wanted to say this and, and tell the stories as authentically as possible and what it was actually kind of like back then. And, um, that's a, you know, the end of episode four is a, is a beautiful example of that, The the beauty that can be found amongst the chaos and, and the destruction happening around it. Um, it was interesting too, cause when we were filming the scene, um, you know everything that's happening around it we, we're not we're not seeing all of that right we're just sitting at this piano where Elsa's playing and um, which she actually learned the entire Moonlight Sonata for the show so she's oh, wow. actually playing yeah. that piece which is incredible and we've now heard her sing we've heard her play the piano and she's she's becoming a great horseman it's like you know, no wonder Elsa's I mean Ennis is completely head over heels for this girl she does everything it's amazing <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah no so it, it was a powerful powerful and special moment but yeah definitely definitely more to come
3: eric were you on set while elsa or isabel may played that piano part were you able to kind of witness that performance firsthand
1: I was. And that was honestly one of the most emotional moments I had filming the show um, because, you know, we're, we're aware of what's to come. And the, the, the episode is titled The Crossing. And it, it's so metaphorical in so many ways. And, you know, once we go on the other side of that river, everything that we knew and we loved and retrusted is gone. And we are into... Uh, a new world of uncertainty, and we, we don't know what's around the corner. So we're stripping so much of, of what we knew and are on one side of the river, and crossing to, like I said, um, a world of of uncertainty and trouble that we know is is looming ahead. So to to have experienced sitting at this piano and having this beautiful, soft, tender moment before so much craziness is about to come up was uh, very emotional for me, and. Nine out of 10 takes, I was bawling at the end because I couldn't help it. Just just watching her emotions playing these, these keys and thinking about what's to come for these characters was so hard for me not to cry. Um, I don't think they chose to take where I was crying watching because I think I'm supposed to be a little stronger in the moment. But it was so yeah. hard to be because of how... Raw, her emotions were in that moment, um, and I'm so, so happy that I got to uh, experience it firsthand because it really was beautiful. And it's a long song, and she played it from beginning to end flawlessly. It was incredible.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's stunning, and the way that it's spliced together with the footage of the actual crossing, like I don't know how easy was it for you to sort of imagine what the final output was going to be did you know what you were filming at the time or was it kind of just post-production magic when you actually sat back and watched it
1: uh it was it was completely post-production magic um you know taylor said please play the whole song and at first isabel uh was like well uh, taylor this is like a a seven minute song it's a very long song He, he goes no i know i know i want you to play the entire thing yeah and so we were like okay either a, he, he wants the whole thing played just to, to try to evoke as much emotion out of all of us as possible by the time it ends. Or B, he's truly going to use the whole thing and and add so much more world around this uh, that we are are going to be mind blown to see what, what it all comes together as. So it was B, the latter. And... Um, I'm so happy he did draw out that song as long as he did because it was able to show so much in those moments. Uh, So it really was just so special to see that all come together
3: on screen the way it did. It's been really interesting to watch your character kind of develop. I think maybe my first impression of you, of your character, was a little bit of a bad boy. Kind Mm -hmm. of uh, had some lines, a, a quick wit, maybe has been around the block a few times. But kind of as the relationship with Elsa has developed, we've seen kind of there's a little maybe naivete, um, some innocence there. How much of that was sort of developing as the episodes progressed and how, versus you kind of knew who your character was at the very start and you were kind of just getting into it?
1: Yeah, no, it was all it was all very calculated because uh, especially, you know, when I was prepping for this role, I, I saw Ennis as, um, you know, kind of uh, this opportunity to not go against the grain of the show, but we're living in such a dark, intense world and to, to be able to kind of punch through and and have the lighter moments and, you know, some comedy here and there and innocence and, and you know... Uh, to, to be able to contrast the world that, that, that we're in, I thought was really important. And I, I felt that Ennis was one of the characters to to really try to do that. Um, you know, it also, I feel like, is um, one of the roles and in, in relationships being built that that gives the audience hope. And, you know, they're, they're excited. And, you know, I, I wanted them to be able to smile when they see Ennis and uh, maybe, maybe not so much expect the worst. Or, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, I kind of contrasted the, the world that he's in. Your comedic timing is pretty
3: good throughout this series. Did you have a little comedy background?
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I've done some comedy. Um, I, uh, I I did a lot of improv training back in the day, and um, I have done comedy. I've been living in a more uh, dramatic uh, roles lately. It's just kind yeah. of where the cars have fallen, um, but I love comedy. And uh, I, you know, definitely uh, am going to, ex- you know, keep exploring and, and doing more comedy in the future. Um, but so, yes, to answer your question, I, I, I have. And it's been fun to, you know, in in his um, slight way, get to kind of poke that out a little bit in NS.
3: Well, I mean, sometimes I mean, I just laugh out loud, like the one line where you tell Elsa and it's not even a funny line, but it's funny if it was said in modern day America, like where you tell her to take off her hat and let you see how pretty she is. It's like that kind of stuff worked in the 19th century. Whereas if like, if you said that to a woman today, (laughs) you know, you'd probably be canceled, you know, you'd you'd certainly be a a firestorm at it. Like it was a lot easier back then. I feel like I would have slayed back in the day. (laughs) All 120 pounds in high school.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's hilarious. And so true, though. I mean, you know, at different times, different times. And, uh, you know, yeah. you, you can get away with, with a little more back then. And, you know, it also adds to the, you know, uh his naiveness and such. Um, But, you know, you also got to remember, too, he's he's used to being around cattle and, and looking at them all day, true. every day. And finally, he gets this young, pretty girl to look at and hang out with and, and go on this journey with. He's like losing his mind. So at times I don't even think he knows what he's saying. But, you know, it kind of just comes out. <laughs>
3: Eric Nelson plays Ennis on 1883 and at Eric Nelson on Instagram, or it's not Eric Nelson. It's at Eric Nelson official on Instagram. You live stream on Sundays. And these are really fascinating to watch. I watched the one after last Sunday where you talked to LaMonica Garrett and Emma Laird from the show, uh, Mayors of Kingstown. And she said something I thought was pretty interesting about how she invented this whole backstory for her character on Mayors of Kingstown. Uh, Ennis is a a clean slate coming into the show. Did you do the same? Invent a a backstory of, of details that maybe people will never see, but just allows you to kind of get into that performance a little bit more authentically?
1: I did. I did 100%. Um, Because like you said, it really does help you develop uh, the authenticity. And you know, if you're living in this character, and you know, through and through who he is, where he came from, uh, what molded him as an individual to get to where we see him on screen, uh, that'll only help your, um, you know, development as an actor um and believability, be- believability not only for the audience yeah. but for yourself um so i did i i you know basically from from where he grew up to how he grew up to who he surrounded himself with to how he got so good at cowboying i mean all of it i really uh you know did did the backstory for myself and um you know like you said you you won't even know any of it and probably won't won't see it or hear it but uh for me mentally um as an actor it at least um Helps me
3: believe what I'm doing and, and saying. Well, what can you share in your mind? Does, has Ennis had his heart broke? Uh, does he have siblings? Like, what, what, what built this character? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, first and foremost, he, uh, you know, he grew up on the land and, and he, he grew up with a very small family and wasn't close with, with his parents as much. They, were, they had an accident early on in his life. And he was kind of scooped up by Wade, uh, it, you know, my, my cowboy counterpart. And he kind of became like a father figure to me. Uh, a lot of fans have written in. and He's like, oh, I love you and your brother on the show. We're actually not related. We're not brothers. Um, But we we have that relationship. And um, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, how he's treated me and uh, the journey he brought me on before you see us on camera. Um, And that's why it's kind of a big shift in our relationship once Elsa's thrown into the picture, uh, because it was always Wade and I. And uh, he was, you know, kind of always looking out for me. And I think you can kind of always see a little bit in Wade's eyes and his actions that, uh, you know, he's, he's slowly starting to realize that um, he's not losing his friend to somebody else. But there's somebody else uh, taking my focus and might be a little more important to me in this moment. Um, and, you know, that, that, that starts to become more evident in, in Wade and I's relationship as well.
3: Yeah. Was there a weight in your real life? Did you draw from some personal details to kind of help build this character?
1: Um, yes and no. You know, I, I did not grow up uh, being a cowboy. I, I'm not from, um, the, the, you know, uh, that world was not foreign yeah. to me because I, I grew up around horses, but, uh, you know, so much of, of Ennis's life and experience is cowboying and that's not where I came from. So um, I I had to, you know, create Uh, make-believe world for myself in that aspect but yes i I do have a specific um friend or friends that i've pulled from to to view uh wade as uh you know kind of like that older brother um father figure role in my life uh, which helps a lot to be able to keep that grounded in reality um but you you also pepper in you know um some make-believe too to to kind of really tailor it to the
3: specific situation on the show one thing uh, LaMonica Garrett alluded to is that the filming of this was, it, it seems really condensed. Like there might have even been a, a, a launch date before scripts were released or filming even started for the show. So you have that and you're also sort of shooting this show under the shadow of Yellowstone, which is already this huge hit series. Is that a lot mm-hmm. of pressure?
1: It was. Um, uh The the first part, uh, the fact that we had a launch date before we even finished and we're still filming, by the way, this is we're we're still shooting the show. And and we've got (laughs) now five episodes about to be out this Sunday. Um, Yeah. So that for our producers especially had a lot of added pressure. Uh, But Paramount was certain uh, that Taylor Sheridan could turn it around quickly. And God, did he ever. Uh, I've never experienced something turn around this quickly um and so hats off to them for for tackling that luckily us as actors don't have to be behind the scenes to, to somehow make all that work we just got to show up and do our part um but in terms of the you know being in in yellow in yellowstone's uh coattails you know riding those coattails into this show there was a lot of um pressure because you know they've created such a, a remarkable legendary show and we wanted to live up to it but there was also a lot of uh, gratitude because they've they teed up a whole world of fans for us already before we even opened the door um, so that was already kind of built in and the support was already there before we even showed what we had just because we're the story the 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 origin story of Yellowstone so that was a gift as well um, added pressure because we wanted to live up to them but also, added love and support that we otherwise wouldn't have had so it kind of went hand in hand
3: One thing I really like how 1883 has done is still integrated music into the show in some pretty smart ways. That's a lot easier in Yellowstone because it's set in the 21st century, but uh, they found songs that are appropriate, like we mentioned the Beethoven song, but also uh, Beautiful Dreamer, the the Stephen Foster song, is the one Elsa sings. Uh, I know you're a big fan of music and and have even gotten into country music, and of course Tim McGraw and Faith Hill uh, are musicians right there on set. How much of sort of a music discussion takes place... Offset, uh, where you guys are sharing ideas or songs or albums or even, I don't know, I heard Tim sings a little bit off stage. Yeah, it, it,
1: it's, it's funny you say that because uh, Isabel and I early on in the process, you know, started developing and, and building um, our friendship and chemistry off camera um, to, you know, so it didn't look completely foreign like we had just met each other when we... You know on camera um, and one thing we both had in common was uh, a love for music and I was telling her I would I would find songs that would kind of guide me through a scene that uh, emotionally um, you know kind of set the tone in my own mind of where my scene would go and that helps me as an actor and um, I remember talking to Isabel and i said did they pick a song for you for the the cattle herding uh scene where, where she's singing to the cattle yeah and she said no and i said well in my preparation i have uh because i just mentally you know wanted to hear something when i was working on that scene and you're gonna think i'm crazy and this is 100 percent fact and like, isabel can back me up on this i said well i've been listening to this song beautiful dreamer and it's perfect and it's beautiful and it's period appropriate and i think it would you know in my head that's what i hear well fast forward um two months the scene's coming up taylor sends the song beautiful dreamer to isabel to sing on the show and she called me and she was like you're not going to believe this (laughs) The song you've been prepping just for your own personal, you know, uh, preparation is what made it into the show. And I had told nobody she had told nobody. And so it was just such a moment for me to be like, wow, my head's in the right place. Like the fact that that's actually what they used of all the songs was was mind blowing. And it's still kind of weird for me to say that out loud, but it's exactly what happened. Um, So, yeah, that was that was crazy. And, you know, we still laugh about how that even happened that way. Um, But aside from that, I mean, Tim, you know, that dude is hilarious. And he is making people laugh all day long. And he sings all the time between takes, on set, off set. He's always singing to people. And so it's just like you're, you kind of fall out of your seat each time because it's like, you know, not only is he there, but now he's singing to me and it's Tim McGraw. Uh, but he truly loves it and enjoys it. So there's it was a music filled set and uh, Faith yeah. was the same way. She'd be singing around set,
3: too. And, you know, it was just so cool to get to experience that. I heard you got a a private performance from Tim singing Willie Nelson's Seven Spanish Angels which is just a you know mind boggling thing to to be around for that. Yeah,
1: man. It was we were sitting in a room, you know, waiting between takes and uh Isabel was next to me actually and I mentioned that that was my favorite Willie Nelson song and he just breaks into song and just starts singing it for me and I'm just like, "Hey, I can't believe this is happening to me and, and B, you know, am I going to wake up? Is this a dream? Like what, what's happening here? Uh, so that was a really cool moment. I will never forget. And Tim McGraw's version, version of Seven Spanish Angels should be on an album somewhere. So I'm going to try to
3: manifest that. Well, does he stay true to the original or does he kind of put his own personal spin on it? He, he stayed pretty true, but he...
1: Okay. he he did some Tim McGraw things to it that I didn't expect and was the perfect touch. Um, so it was it was really cool.
3: It's Eric Nelson uh, on the uh, Dutton Rules podcast. He plays Ennis on 1883. And as I mentioned, at Eric Nelson Official does the live streams. I wonder how kind of plugged in you are to what fans and what people are saying about the show and, and your performance. Do, do you embrace that?
1: I do, and I love it, and I welcome it. Um, cause the, the fans have been so incredible to us and the response has been so amazing. And, you know, I really do these live streams as a thank you to them, uh, uh you know, a moment to, to connect with them and, and, personally, um, kind of chat with them and answer questions from them and, you know, really be, um, uh, you know, take myself out of the show and out of character and really be relatable on a personal level uh, because I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to them and without them, we'd have nothing. So that's, that's really the whole idea behind the streams um, is to connect. Um, And really it's a thank you.
3: I love how just enthusiastic everybody, not only from 1883, but also from Yellowstone is about the filming experience and uh, how enjoyable it is. I mean, that doesn't seem like that's a normal thing in like a Hollywood or like a TV or a movie studio for everybody to be, everybody to be so just effusively enthusiastic about the entire finish. Like I haven't heard one person be like, Oh, glad that's over (laughs) with or anything like that.
1: Yeah, that's a testament to Taylor Sheridan. I mean, it it could be so easy for a group of actors in 120-degree heat in the Texas summer in uh, 25 layers of 1,800 clothing on an 1,800 saddle on a horse (laughs) all day long. It'd be really easy for a group of actors to complain about that. You know, it's not the most, uh, you know, you're not in a comfy studio in the the back of Warner Brothers or something. Um, But because of the world Taylor created for us, and you know, this unity and how he brought us together weeks before we started filming throughout Cowboy Camp and such, and you know really tailored to um, developing our off-screen relationships as much as our on, uh, gave us a love for this project like no other. And I think that's why the enthusiasm is so strong is because we truly all love each other just as much as we love what we're doing. And um, it's 100% a testament to Taylor.
3: Is this a show, I mean, I'm sure this hasn't been announced or said, but is this the kind of show where there could be a season two or, or does it feel like it's gonna be season one and done? Like, where's your mind in, at that? Are you optimistic?
1: Um, yes, very optimistic. And it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's not a mini series. It's not a one and done, um, you know, okay, very cool. uh, open, open-ended. open It's, you know, the, his, his idea behind creating 1883 was not to stop here.
3: I can tell you that. Great, great, that's good news. Okay, last thing with Eric Nelson, three random questions. These are kind of random. They're quick hitters. Um, answer yeah. them as honestly as you like. Uh, question one, you have remarkable teeth for a 20-something from 1883. Did anybody try to make you wear busted-up fakes for the show?
1: Yes. Uh, yep, day one. Um you know, makeup, uh, threw some junk on there and I walked out and smiled at Taylor and he goes, take that off right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't, he wasn't having it. Um, you know, it might, might be a little, uh, little, little white for, for back then, but you know, he had a vision and and he, he knew what he wanted to see. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was discussed and that was
3: put out there, but it's not what he wanted. Um, so here we are. Question two, is a true or false? Your first Sam Elliott experience was watching him as the guy at the bar in the movie The Big Lebowski. False. Really? Mine was. I have to admit it. I'm from <laughs> Detroit, so I didn't do a lot of Westerns. But I've okay. caught up. what was your first Sam Elliott experience? Uh, Tombstone, actually. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Last question. I'm told you're a classic rock guy first and foremost. Pick one. Mick Jagger Robert Plant, John Lennon, or Freddie Mercury?
1: Oh my gosh, man. That's like trying to pick. Oh, that's so hard. Uh, John Lennon.
3: John Lennon. A Beatles guy over Although a Rolling I... Stones guy.
1: Although I named my son Mick.
3: Okay. Well. Kind of... <laughs> so
1: it goes to show Fair you how enough. much love I have for him as well. <laughs>
3: Fair enough. Eric Nelson, you've been really generous with your time, man. I, Enjoy the rest of shooting. How much more shooting do you have left? Are there multiple episodes to film, or are you are just about done? Yeah, we're basically about done. We're uh, this is our final okay, week. Good. We'll be done on Saturday. Okay, great. We'll go take a long vacation after that. We're really enjoying it. You can find eighteen eighty three on Paramount Plus. Eric plays Ennis on the show. Thanks for joining the Dutton Rules Podcast. Thank you
1: so much, brother. Happy to be here, Billy. Really appreciate it. Hope I can be back soon, man. <laughs>
2: That's Eric Nelson talking to Billy Dukes about Ennis, the pressure of filming of 1883 under the shadow of Yellowstone, that piano scene and so much more. Big thanks to Eric's team for arranging this interview. Find him on Instagram at EricNelsonOfficial for his weekly live streams with the cast of the show. I'm Addison Hager and Billy and I will be back soon to recap episode 5 of 1883. Dig through the archives to find features on Sam Elliott, Isabel May, Faith Hill, and more, and interviews with Cole Hauser, Kelly Riley, and Jefferson White from Yellowstone. Tap all wherever you're listening, and leave a five-star rating and review if you're feeling it. Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, is written by myself and Billy Dukes, and produced by Billy Dukes. Staff at tasteofcountry.com is the email address for questions or comments. As always, Dutton Rules is another great Town Media podcast.